Welcome Pathfinders to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Episode 171. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, that bird. <laughs> that bird. That bird is now grounded. We think. Well, yeah, I was going to say, we, <laughs> we we're hope. under the assumption. Perhaps the bird is grounded. I mean, Sudi did punch it real hard in the face. I, I in punched, a beak. Punched it a bunch. I booped a snoot. That's and I think I it's it. befitting that Sudi did so, considering he's the cat folk. Yep. Yeah, he's going to drag it all the way back to Wati and then leave it on the doorstep to the temple. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he's got a little note that just says, uh, for Idris. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is how I show my love. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, let's quickly teleport us. <laughs> you could teleport this dead bird, right? Yeah, right. This uh, sure. gargantuan sized bird. But uh, we should uh, go down there and like make sure it's dead. And double tap. Well, before we do any of that, when last we left our heroes, the doorkeepers, have, after having completed the Lantern Vault, had joined up with their ally, their compatriot, Tefnaju, who had led them to go and speak with the. Uh, Gypso Sphinx, the Gypso Sphinx Kai Utef, who had uh, blessed all of you with some visions of your own impending death. Apparently none of them involving the Dust Taker, so you guess you all knew you'd be fine. That Well, I mean, it's not guaranteed how we'll die. It's just it's a possible it's just future. suggestions. It's the, it's the beauty of the Age of Lost Omens. Yep. Yes, beauty. Mm-hmm. Precisely. You had then traveled through the slave trenches of Hakatep wherein you had arrived at the nest of the Dusk Taker in almost exactly the center of the slave trenches. Well, he's got to keep an eye out for his uh, his his master to return. Yep. That's true. Here you had found the gargantuan bird. He looked at you and been like, hey, what's up? No, that's and not how decided. that went at all. Like, Sudi <laughs> tried to, like, be like, hey, I have a piece of Hakatep, and the bird was like, no, Hakatep's back, and he needs that. I'm going to murder I you. And he was like, no, my, my father told me I must kill you. And, I was like, and we were just all like, dang it, bird. Father, father, look at what I've done. I was valiant. I brought your, I brought your soul back. Oh, my God. <laughs> your soul piece. Look, Earlaw is the only one that gets to say he was valiant, okay? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a trademark on that word. Listen to Tyrant's Grasp on the Patreon in case you want to know who one Earlaw is and why he can say he's valiant. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and also to support the podcast, so yes. thank you. But yeah, we fought the bird, and it was bad because it has epic levels, and it was... A, a very dangerous bird. But hey, we took away its, its mythic powers. So. Yes. yes, that's true. You did remove its mythic abilities. Otherwise, it would have used its uh, mythic reverse gravity, which is pretty awesome. Oh! Which is really cool. <laughs> yeah, a battle had then ensued, at which point you had defeated the Dusk Taker, Kind Jutret. Did the dust cloud that he s- knocked up with his giant, giant wings settle down? You know, I died. believe, mechanically speaking, it does that exact same round. Mm. So I guess once the wings are no longer beating. I don't often get to use those, one of those rarely used rules for hover. Yeah. This freaking Pidgey was a sand um, attack. How is yep. everybody's mm-hmm. health? I'm fine. Uh, I'm down, like, 50. I'm at full, so I must have gotten some healing at some point. It's also weird to jump between high-level and low-level play where, like, Oh, I'm only down by 50 is not a, bi- a big deal at high levels. And then when you're at low levels, you're like, I'm down by 50. I am nearly dead. Down by 50 is a big deal for me. That's like half my hit points. Uh, yeah, I got hit points. You should never accept being down by more than 10% of your hit points. It's true. It's true. Pause for healing. I suppose uh, after, after doling out your healing, as we begin, the three of you, say in Citra, 
stand on the cliff face overlooking the nest in which the dust taker conjurate now has collapsed down. The cloud overhead, the clouds overhead forming begin to dissipate with unnatural speed. There is a distant clap of thunder and then the bird falls still. Masika will glance down this 25 foot deep hole to where Citra is. Is it well, dead? Citra's flying. Yeah, Citra was <laughs> flying opposite of it to get the sneak attack. Uh, well, let's go find out. Collis is going to float down. I guess yeah, will I mean, float down too. He stopped moving. Masika can feather fall at will. She'll just step off the side of the cliff and feather fall down. Nice. Very well. <laughs> uh, Conjeterate bursts into flames and then rises from his own ashes to continue the fight. But he's a little bird, right? <laughs> no, no, I'm just... No. <laughs> he's a little bird, right? I wish y'all could see the look no. on my face right now because it was very, I'm going to hurt Rick next time I see him. <laughs> I was very much the Anakin and Padme um, meme there. Conjurit had a nest down here, didn't he, too? Mm-hmm. We gotta poke around in that there nest. Yeah, I feel like it's worth a uh, search of both the bird because, you know, he can wear magical items and the nest. Very well. The lot of you descend down. The bird, titanic in life, still titanic in death, lays splayed here. The wind rustles through its feathers, and it looks no smaller, but there is something just kind of sad about the end of this 6,000-year-old animal. Nearby, you see the ruined remains of what was once a building. From one side to the other, you'd say probably about 30 feet across, maybe equally wide. These remains have now been stuffed full of a variety of, again, akin to a a bird grown up to massive size. There's some grass in here and a fair amount of wood, although in this case, it's entire tree trunks that have been ripped up and then bent around to form a nest in the center of this remnants of stone foundation and walls. Wow. As you make your approach, yeah, it appears to be mostly empty. Masika will detect magic and poke around the nest. I'm going to detect magic on the bird. Just random question, but are there any just, like, non-horribly damaged feathers lying about? I mean, you could take some feasibly off the bird, and then there are a couple of them in the nest that are, again, like, its smallest. I didn't want to pluck any, though. I felt like that's disrespectful. But if there is one that's just about, I feel like... I feel like the feathers would be almost as big as you. I, there's, there's a, like a, Jessica probably knows this term. What is the term for the feathers that are in the undercoat? I don't know this term. I'm I want to say down, person. but. Down yeah, feels you know, right. chicken. Yeah. So, yeah, there is there is one feather that is only a foot in length, which is about as small as this one's feathers gets. Citra will put that in her bag very gently. Are you going to save that for Falto so he can have it for one of his jaunty hats? Are you going to turn it into a I'm pen? Turn it <laughs> I thought about turning it into a quill. <laughs> yeah, make it a little quill. Mm. Detecting magic looking over, there are a few magical auras here and there. Scattered about, you can see the remains from numerous mills that have been brought back. Again, somewhat morbid, considering the fact that this creature does not actually need to eat. Mm. Are we sure it's not part cat? It just likes Could the be. flavor. Uh, almost all of these are humanoid bones. How many humanoids, you cannot determine. Masika would look sad as she begins to crawl through the nest. Narmer, this is kind of morbid. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay, so should I dive in there? Yeah, might as well. Searching through the nest, you find the following. Uh, first off, there is a... Uh, what do you get taking 10 
on a spellcraft check. Masika gets a 32 to identify uh, magic items. I always forget about her plus four bonus from one of her traits, but yes, she gets a 32. Get a 14. <laughs> I don't even Pulse. have spellcraft, so there you go. Oh, I get a 34. Digging through here, you find the following. There is a single bag. You're able to identify this bag as magical. You're able to identify it as a type three bag of holding. Holy Ooh. heck. Pass that over to Sudi. What's in it? Anything? Oh, yeah. Dump that out for sure. Uh, opening this up, you find basically traveling supplies. It appears that there are four different tents in here. Oh, uh, as nice. well as what was probably once trail rations, although you do not consider those remotely edible any longer. Mm -hmm. uh, some winter blankets, or at the very least blankets that would keep you warm during the cold desert nights, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, basically, there's enough in here for five adventurer's kits. Ah, oh, cool. Hmm. We might as well keep that stuff just in case of, you know, Hollis needs to memorize something else in that slot there's, instead of the mansion or something else. There's also 200 feet of rope. So. <laughs> you also find scattered through the entirety of this nest, 2,490 gold worth of uh, miscellaneous gold pieces, platinum pieces, copper, I silver, etc. I think that spends time finding. Oh, I found a penny. Oh, <laughs> yeah. a copper. Oh, a silver. Yeah. There's uh there's like 500 copper pieces that he didn't pick up because the wrong sides up. <laughs> Those are all bad luck and we can't afford that this late in the game. He's does not the wrong. Luck not cancel out though if you get two of them. Oh, maybe it does. Maybe it kind of aggregates like if you collect all of them and you add the the luck pieces together. You also find seven sapphires. Ooh. Cool. They are worth 100 gold pieces each. Very nice. In addition nice. to that, you find a human skull. Oh, not nice. Impressively, the human skull is still wearing a phylactery of positive channeling. <laughs> oh, what, does, nice. what does that do? It allows a, the channeling of positive energy to increase the amount of damage dealt to undead creatures by 2d6, as well as the amount healed by living creatures by 2d6. I'm assuming it's a head slot. It is a headband. Okay, yeah, that's not as cool as my wicked falcon crown that gives me pluses to my AC and can divert spells into rays. So, Unless you yeah. shoot laser beams out of your eyes? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's fair. You also find a staff of healing. Oh, yes. shoot. I will take that immediately upon myself. I am myself. very concerned suddenly with the fact that they I are mean, giving us so many I, healing items. I'm assuming we're going to count it as part of the med kit, but Masika's the only one that can use the spells from it, so... Yeah. Uh, it is a fine ashwood staff. Uh, the top of this bears the head of a jackal. Aww. The staff of healing is inlaid with silver runes. It has three charges currently remaining in it. Of course, it can be recharged as it is a staff. Yes. It allows you to cast the following spells. Cure serious wounds with one charge. Bless a restoration with one charge. Remove blindness deafness with two charges. Or oh. remove disease using three. Yeah. Nice. Blindness deafness removal. Excellent. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that part in particular is nice. That is the theme. So Masika and Narmer reemerge. Uh, again, I imagine just kind of dick around there, finding things, throwing them out, Hollis picking them up, identifying them, handing them over to Sudi, who shoves them away into various bags. Except, <laughs> except for, for Masika's like, I'm keeping this staff. Yeah. <laughs> really, and Sudi, Sudi takes the, uh, the type three bag of holding, looks inside of it and goes, man, you could fit like a small army in here. Yes, good. Add these things to it. Don't put the other bag in the bag. Yeah. Oh, Wait, yeah. The spellcasters tackle Sudi to keep him from putting one bag. <laughs> but they have three bags now. That's too many bags. It'll explode. It's bad. It's like a turducken of storage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kaboom. 
Yeah, it'd be bad. And might rip open a plane to another dimension. I think there's a percentile chance. It's fun. I mean, we um, can do that experiment, as long as we bring Hockatep with us, that's okay, right? <laughs> we just leave him on the plane of fire. It'll be somebody else's problem. Is there anything on the bird? Nope. Other than a tiny locket with Hockatep's face in it. Aww. What? No. <laughs> there's nothing on the bird. <laughs> All right. All right, that's one threat down. Now we have to go back to the lantern vault and switch out the figures so we can mm-hmm. we can weaken Beck and Tofra before we talk to him because All right. I have a feeling that's going to go poorly as well. Masika glances over at uh, the bird. On the plus side, I can actually talk to him. I can actually too. I've been studying my elemental languages. Oh, cool. So do you like, be like, so you speak Terran now in Terran? So it's just like... <laughs> Your accents are atrocious. Says <laughs> Tefnaju so from nearby. <laughs> Hollis looks at both of you and then starts casting her phantom chariot spell to move us quickly around this place. Yep, because it can uh, airwalk now, I believe. Oh, it can fly. Sorry. It can airwalk and fly. I- I'm I'm trying. Masika pouts, but says in Terran. <laughs> All right. Um... God, I forgot he's a large creature. Can he fit on the chariot with us while we fly? Maybe not, but he's fast. He so needs he can... to. He's probably faster touching the ground. True. All right, well, yeah, I, guess. I guess we'll follow him. Well, yeah, we'll head for the lantern vault. I mean, we know where it is now, so we just... So, yeah, mm-hmm. taking the, uh, the chariot, and I suppose either riding along when you can ride along and just using the fly ability to hop the gap. So we go as the crow flies. At which point it's only uh, two miles to get there. Huh, so Thank God. Nice. What do, what so, do your horses move at now? Oh, uh, much faster than Tefnaju. Well, yeah, fast. probably. Well, he can't go inside <laughs> anyway, so I imagine he'll just wait for us at the entrance. So you want to leave him behind and just go there on your own? Yeah, but we'll tell him to meet us there because we don't know where the sand cascade is, and that's where we have to go next. So it takes you about an hour or so to return back to the uh, the lantern vault. We gotta play dodge the golems unless we actually want to kill them to make this easier. I mean, there's definitely yeah. the temptation to. And feasibly, Hollis now has an idea of where that chamber is, so she could dimension door down there and dimension door we back. We don't but, know how deep it is, though. Well, you know, as you know that the chamber that you drop down into is 50 feet beneath the room with the golems. So it's just up to you if you want to do that or if you want to go in there and uh, try to fight these golems again. I feel like we might not want to spend time effing with the golems. Yeah. But we could do yeah. the thing we did last time where we ran and jumped in the hole and this then just dimension door out. Yeah, we can okay. do that. All right, Masika will go first because she has the highest AC. Okay. So I'm just going to go ahead and sum things up. Well, because again, they technically they respond, they move forward, and then they attempt to stab you when you're back out because they don't get a chance to attack you until you actually trigger it, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. All right, so we run in, jump so, in the hole, and then to navigate. save our audience some yes. yeah, To save our audience some time and boredom, uh, you make your way back to the lantern vault, you dodge the golems, you descend down into the lower levels, you deposit this thing. Uh, are you teleporting back out or dimension dooring back out? Yeah. Okay. You descend down there. You find the statuette that you left in place. No longer brilliant, polished black, but now an ashen gray. Oh, it changed like just As you a pull sex. the bird statue free and replace it with the the bulky, sharp edge statue of Beck and Tofra. Okay, because there was Beck and Tofra and the, the bird. And then the trap one, which was the creepy fey creature. Mm-hmm. 
And then mm -hmm. there was Chisisek, and that was all four of them, right? Or was there another one? There were six. There was also one of Tefnaju. Yeah. There was also one of the uh, Spinosaurus. Oh, that's right, because we, we were going to oh, come down yeah. here one more time and swap for the Spinosaurus, because yeah, we'll, that makes it actually killable. We'll go at the yeah. end, yes. make it mm -hmm. It powers it up, but technically also makes it killable. So. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, Beck and Tofra is at the Monument Vault, which is also known as the Sand Cascade. No, the Sand Cascades are in front of the Monument Vault, okay. is how it was described to you. And he can't leave the sand cascade. He has to like count all the grains or something. Constantly. He has to maintain them. Yeah, he has yeah. to like maintain it. You know that he's maintaining it. You are also aware the Beckentofra is not magically bound here. No. He just likes being here. Oh, it was also like for pride or something. Yeah, it was like he was challenged that he couldn't do it or something like that, right? Alright, but I guess I Bet after, you can't do this thing. I guess after swapping the statues, um, is Tefnaju outside the lantern vault when we get back out? Uh, no, if you guys are going the full speed of the Phantom Chariot, which is... Um, 100 feet. So, no, you outpace them by, like, almost triple his movement speed. Okay, well, I guess we'll hang outside the Lantern Vault for okay. a few minutes and wait for uh, Tefnaju. Very well. Yeah, you have to wait for a short time before uh, Tefnaju rejoins all of you. I suppose uh, once you've made the switch, replacing the statue of... The Dusk Taker with the statue of Beckatofra. Mm -hmm. Knowing from your previous identification of this that it should remove from him... His mythic abilities. Uh, basically, yeah, just his mythic powers. He still has all of his regular powers as an earth elemental. But. You may want to stay off the ground when we fight this guy. This is definitely going to be a fight him in the sky. <laughs> Masika waves at Tefnaju when he appears out of the wall, I'm assuming. Yeah, glides up out of the earth. Uh, do, do you mind taking us to the sand cascade or, or showing us the way? Should be quicker now that we can hop over the walls. He nods. Shouldn't take long. All right. We can either go through the trenches or around the outside if you'd prefer. Oh, whatever shortest. Around the outside would require much less up and down for all of you. Masika shrugs. I'll lead the way. And hops in the chariot. Yep. Yeehaw. Tefnaju glides into the nearby wall. Uh, steps free at the top of the wall. Uh, all of you meet him up at the top of the, the slave trenches here using the phantom chariot before slowly following him along as he leads you around the outside of the slave trenches. You travel for some distance. The wind continues to blow in. The air here is swelteringly hot. And you've gotten used to being down inside of the trenches long enough that as you step up here and are now getting caught by the occasional blast of stinging sand, you'd forgotten how well, at the very least, how nice it was to travel in the shade. Mm. Although the heat seems to have no effect on the genie as you follow him. He has a rock boy. The entrance to the Sacrifinet shouldn't be too far. It's on the far eastern stretches. The guardian back in Tofra should be willing to speak with you. Do you have any suggestions about how we might convince him to let us pass? Be polite. Understand that he is a creature of immense power. Even here, he is more dangerous than most of the other creatures present. However, while passing through the Sand Cascade would be necessary for many to gain access to the Sacrifinet, it is not a foolproof defense of the site, if you will. He only cares for the Sand Cascades. If an individual were to simply teleport from one side to the other, it would in no way interfere with his business. And he would take no issue with it. 
Right, so if he won't let us to pass through, we'll have to figure out a magical way around. So many magical ways. Understand, of course, that he will consider any interruption with the flow punishable by death by anything. Birds, animals, insects, anything that touches the cascade he destroys. So much as throwing a pebble at it would earn his wrath. And he is an immortal, timeless creature with an infinite memory. So we should most definitely be flying when we... Flying high enough that we're not going to disturb sand. That would not be possible. You cannot fly over the barrier. What is the barrier? It sounds like a waterfall oh. of sand being called a sand cascade. Oh, yeah, That is an accurate depiction. Oh, Once we get crud. closer, it may be easier to see than to explain. <laughs> Again, he will not threaten you if you do not interfere with his business. It may be willing to speak with you. Understand, though, that he is challenging on the best of days. I'm you... going to assume, Masika, you've got a higher diplomacy than I do. I have a 10. I have a I 17. Have zero. So I have an 18. Me and Citra right. are the diplomatic ones. Yes, but do either one of you speak Terran? <laughs> nope. No, that's the problem. Yeah, he may speak common. I mean, who knows? Or ancient Assyriani or something. Or, yeah, or one of the languages that we're... The common languages of this adventure path. Yeah. Depends on how much he cares about the mortals. We yeah, can also I'm just, just be like, mm, we teleport over there. We just don't know how thick the cascade is. That's uh, Maybe he'll answer yeah. that question. But all right, I guess we keep making our way forward. You navigate for some distance before eventually Tefnaju leads you back into the trenches. In essence, once you circle around the northeastern to the eastern side of the trenches and pass by the monolith dedicated to Taw, he takes you back into the trenches and then navigates you around through some of the smaller, almost more shallow trenches along the eastern stretch here. <laughs> the site before you is bizarre. Might be the only easy way to describe it. Ahead at the end of the trench, you see a massive cascade of sand, like a wall of sand, where the sides of the trench seem to loom in, forming this lip. And from the top of this pours a never-ending stream of sand. It's like a Although sand it doesn't waterfall. seem to be coming from the top. It's almost as if the sand appears from mid-air and falls down into the trench. At which point it doesn't seem to hit bottom because you don't see it piling up and you don't hear the sound that you would expect from tons of sand striking the earth below. It's almost as if it's in an odd vortex where it's kept eternally in a cycle of falling. Weird. The hissing sound of the sand tumbling over the cliff echoes down the passage as you begin to approach. Tefnaju stops and nods once you're about 300 feet or so away. Beyond the wall of sand is your destination. You don't happen to know how, how thick the wall of sand is, do you? I'm uncertain. All right. Well, Masika will hop out of the chariot. I mean, I, I assume right. we're all going to hop out of the chariot. Yep, but we'll leave it here for us if we need to run away. Pretty much. Hopefully we won't need to. It's kind of cool, just a waterfall of sand. It's yeah. an inventive thing. Like It's one of those, like, okay, Hakatep, that's some stylish creation you got there that's also functional. I mean, all I can think of is, like, the wall of sand from the mummy movie when it's chasing Yeah, it's when it has his face yeah. in it or whatever. <laughs> but but there's no face in this one yet. I, I wouldn't suggest we get too terribly close to the wall of sand. Lest no, we, we don't want to touch, it touch a single yeah. grain, you know. Probably stop, yeah, about 10, 15 feet away from the wall. I don't suppose there's a giant earth elemental just chilling nearby. 
Hello. There is not. Although as you begin to approach closer towards it, it's so strange because there's none of, none of the sand strikes you, even being this close to it. Hmm. Not a single granulate of sand seems to deviate from its course of falling through this. And there's no wind. It's like they opened up some weird portal to the elemental plane of Earth and it just falls through and then falls back into the elemental plane, you know? <laughs> but I'm just imagining he the Earth Elemental is literally just like taking the sand and like like just running his hands in a giant circle and he's like doing like a juggling routine, but with like every <laughs> single grain of sand. It's just an optical illusion. Uh why don't y'all say like hello or something? Uh uh, good, good morning. Masiko will call out in Terran. There's no answer. All right. Uh, can we tiptoe a little bit closer to the sand? Uh, Sudi will kind of hold a hand back, switching to Terran. Beckin Tofra, would you grace us with an audience? Magnificent Beckin Tofra. The earth a few feet away bulges, mm. ripples, distorts, and then rising out of it is this massive form. The creature stands at a height of almost some 20 feet as it rises up out of the earth, comprised of dark red stone, what appears to be almost like beard of sand falling off the front of its face. Rad. And legs cool. and arms made of obsidian and granite. Dude, that's cool, man. Beckenhofer rises man. up to his full height, staring way down at the collective group of you. Citra gives like a a uh, respectful bow to Beckentofra. Oh, I do a sweeping bow with a hat removal type thing. You may make a uh, diplomacy or uh, knowledge nobility. I would like to aid somebody else with their diplomacy check. <laughs> I will definitely do diplomacy. Nobility is not really a uh, citrus thing. Nobility is the one skill Hollis doesn't have, um, and Sugar probably isn't helpful right now. Sugar does a dramatic bow from inside of her little carrying case. That's true. One wing um, extended back. <laughs> Hollis rolls a 12 for a 29 diplomacy. And uh, did anybody aid me? Uh yes, I uh, you're doing diplomacy, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, I aid you. I roll a 19. Uh I rolled a uh, 13 for a 31 with the aid is 33. Nice. Nice. I mean, Masika rolls a 15 for a 25 and she'll do whatever a traditional like Osiriani bow greeting is the literally unreadable face of the stone beast ahead of you stares down. This is the problem with elementals, man. No facial expressions. There is no neck. Arguably, it's difficult to say where the head for this creature is. He technically doesn't have eyes. Yep. The body shifts slightly in a way that may be a nod or gracious inch of a bow in return. Okay. And a voice almost rumbles out of the earth itself, addressing all of you in Terran. I am Bekentofra, Lord of the Ebony Cliffs, Keeper of the Diamond of Uras, Watcher of the Sand Cascade. He continues with his titles for another two minutes. <laughs> I like this. Sudi just like is totally impassive, but just repeats all of this in common. Why do you seek an audience and take me away from my task? 
Um, we apologize for having to interrupt your duties here. I, I'm Masika of the Beckon. This is Sudi Kantar, Citra Nahamra, and Hollis Starkweather. Um, we humbly implore you to allow us to pass the Sand Cascade. Masika bows again. To pass the Sand Cascade. We need to enter the Monument Vault. I have no concern over the Monument Vault. In the time that we have spoken, three billion five hundred and sixty-two million eight hundred and fifty-two thousand four hundred and thirty-two grains of sand have passed without my stewardship. I am the keeper of all that you see. He gestures with a hand back for two million three hundred and thirteen thousand six hundred and thirteen rotations of this world, I have guarded this site and will continue to do so long after you have turned to dust as well. Is there a reason that he's guarding it? Ask him how thick the wall is. I will not interrupt my task for whatever small concerns you have in the chambers beyond. We would not dream of trying to interrupt your uh, activities here, as important as they are. We possess magics that would allow us to bypass this without touching any of the sand. We merely need to know where the entrance is. Like the depth of that sand wall. Past the cascade. You may pass beyond if you so wish. I will not impede your progress. The distance from the wall of sand. He steps back. A short distance, a five-foot step, gestures to the wall off towards his right-hand side. The wall at this point is precisely 9.5 feet in thickness. I will warn you to not interfere with my servants in their appointed task. Uh, I have accounted for all 13 trillion, 266 billion, 169 million, 344,401 <laughs> grains of sand. I love this guy. If a single grain of sand goes missing, he gestures down towards your feet, where you notice about just the rubble that you've been walking on to this point, except for some of them bear striking resemblance to smash statuary. Oh, he'll turn oh, you into a rock and murder you. Hmm. Lovely. Unless you wish to join me in my vigil here for eternity. Will your servants allow us to pass as long as we don't interfere with them? As long as you do not disturb a single grain of sand. All right. Um, this, this may be an ignorant question, but is the sand on the floor? My servants do not allow a single piece of sand to touch the ground and have not for the 2,313,613 rotations of your world. They catch every grain of sand, deliver it to the top, and release it again. And I keep track of all 13 trillion granulates. This is rad. It goes on to the 266 billion, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) It's like talking to a treant. Um, Are there any other inhabitants? inside the monument vault or just your servants? I do not concern myself with the goings on outside of my purview. They are creatures of this world that, though long lived, are not timeless. When in time your solar disk 
burns out and the rock of this world slings into the vastness of space. They will be no more and I will continue my charge. All right. Well, thank you very much for your help and your permission to pass by the Sand Cascade. Um, we're sorry for interrupting your task. This has been a unique diversion. But by this point, over 400 trillion trillion of sand have gone on a Masika does her best to keep a straight face. <laughs> you know. All right. So, can we pass or not? We we can go through the... It's about 10 feet through this wall where he gestured, and we aren't to interfere with his servants. And if a, even a single grain of sand goes missing from this place, he's going to turn us into statues and kill us all. He implied all right, so, that each of the grains of sand are picked up by one of his servants. We didn't so ask so. what the servants were, or we did? No, he uh, he doesn't really seem to concern himself with any of that. I'm assuming there's some sort of elemental if they How can pick up single grains of sand. Time? Probably very small, because made, he made it sound like each grain of sand had its own servant. Did he say how many servants there were? The Billions? most impressive part of this. I'll give this to, yeah, I'll just give it to Hollis or well, technically any of the spellcasters. Uh, casting detect magic, none of this is magical. <laughs> God, it, they All are of this has actually been being done by the supernatural power of the elementals. Right. Oh, God, but does that mean there's like one elemental per grain of sand? Or is there Possibly. like... Possibly. All elemental 13 trillion of them. Has a bunch <laughs> though, of... though he he did seem to imply that there's something in there. He, he said that he didn't concern himself with mortals who are long-lived but will not survive the... Uh, you know, when our son goes supernova, basically. Oh, that makes sense. That that sounds very elemental. But he, but he does not concern himself with it, so he will not interfere he doesn't even, or find, yeah. us, find it offensive if we destroy them. Yeah. All so right. if it's if it's an elemental, we leave it alone. Sure. Don't don't talk to it. Try not to even look at it. <laughs> Specifically, if it's an earth elemental. <laughs> if it's some other kind of elemental, then I don't think he's going to actually care. Uh, anyone that wishes to may make me a. Let's just go with the spellcraft check. All right. I don't have that. Um, I rolled a 13 for a 37. Uh, I roll a 14 for a 30, 32 math. Okay. The two of you could note there are technically a number of ways to get through this that allow you to pass through it without disturbing it, quote unquote. Uh, for instance, freedom of movement would let you walk straight through it. Technically, the granulates would roll off of you and would not cling to you. Uh, gaseous form or anything along those lines would also allow you to pass through. Hmm. Without technically, it seems to be not the act of moving through it. It's the possibility that you take some of the grains of sand with, with you. you. <laughs> and they go that missing. That is the concern. Okay. All that being said, there's nothing stopping you from just dimensioning door to the other side. Except that I don't know how big his servants are. Yeah. Okay. Technically speaking, there's nothing stopping... Uh, Citra from using her nifty ring to just earth glide into the ground and then pop out the other side. True. I could go scout ahead, I guess. That would maybe be good. Citra will scout ahead. Oh, God. Very well. Ten feet, right? <laughs> well, 9.5, he said. So I will go 9.5 feet ahead. Well, you know it's 9.5 feet in thickness. So you're so going to go like... Okay, so I need to be And then none of the grain... Feet. We could tell you that none of the grains touch the ground, so if you go in the ground, you're fine. Citra, gliding into the earth, you rise up the other side to see that the natural stone walls of the 
well, not necessarily natural, but the, the worn stone walls of the slave trenches here give way to this worked stone massive wall ahead of you, probably close to 100 feet in overall length. The faces of this are covered with repeat images of gods. It appears to be 11 of them in total, arrayed on either side of a large door. The door itself only being about five feet wide. Okay. Well, I suppose I'll pop back over there and tell them that there is space for us to pop out, and I didn't see any of his servants. Okay. Then I and can there's just enough space for there. all four of us to... Without like, touching sand or elements. As long as you are in a line and you are not in a cluster, then we should all fit. It's very narrow. We'll go in as a line. Line this way, and we'll put like put us in the right like shape of line. Are we going long ways or, or wide ways? The way you are currently lined up should just be fine. You just boop right over. Parallel right. to the wall. Let us boop wide over then. Let, it, let us dimension door parallel park this bus. All right. Think slippery thoughts. Think slippery thoughts. <laughs> All right. A dimension door us to the other side of the wall. You ready yourselves. Line up. You know, Hollis does some quick math. Okay, so I'm 11 feet away from this. So that's 20.5 feet. And then I want to be at least five feet beyond that. So 25.5 feet. That sounds accurate enough. Chant and tone. A wide purple door appears before all of you. <laughs> and you step forward, stepping free on the opposite side, almost face to face, about eh, about 12 inches away from walking into the stone wall on the opposite side. Cool. Looking yeah. back over your shoulder to the cascade of sand behind you. All right. Oh, my. That's a... Well, we didn't touch the sand. Masika will shuffle forward into Hollis' square and cast light on Sudi. Oh, my. So okay. he can see. All right. I have my wayfinder on. Oh, God. You okay. stepped in the stand. Well, that way we have two light sources. Just She's kind of short. I could maybe kind of step up and she can duck. Well, we can <laughs> occupy the same square. The only reason it's an issue in combat is because of combat. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. You maintain a, a good five foot distance from the wall of sand. Yes. I guess Citra needs to shuffle her way forward because it seems like the door is a little bit south of us. Because I think so. I'm like a full two feet taller than Masika. Masika is uh, not even five feet tall. Yeah, I'm 6'2", so it kind of depends yeah. on... Masika's 4'11". Oh, okay. Well, it's not <laughs> quite too feet then. I'd like to go a little bit further down, though, just to make sure that there's not anything we're missing. Well, I think he told us where the door was. You lead yeah. the way, he, bud. Well, he didn't tell us where the door was. He told us how to get okay. past the cascade. All right. Once she verifies that there is nothing around the side edges of... <laughs> Uh, between the cascade and this very narrow hallway, then she will check this doorway for traps just to see if uh, any. You know that doorway is going to be trapped. Traps or you have spots. Trap spotter. You just spot her. You just know. <laughs> I know, but I like to be thorough. If it helps, I also have tremor sense, so I can sense if there's anything within thirty feet. All right, feet -ish. you're a rock boy now. Yep, because I'm a rock boy. I just know that. I, or I just have a feeling that there's something up with these creepy faces on the wall. Oh, yeah. I could be totally wrong. Well, this is where we're supposed to activate the gods in the right order. Uh, looking at those, are they in the order Chisisek said we're supposed to activate them in? You are correct. That's what I was oh. wondering, too. Hero point. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing to activate on them, though. Detect magic on one of these 
Well, depiction. I mean, this is just outside. Just yeah, this order. is just yeah. like the the fresco on the outside. You never know. Uh, there is no magic on the. Yeah. Okay. Your trap spotter does not go, not go off, Citra. God, can you imagine like not talking to Tefnaju or doing any research and just barging through this <laughs> sand wall? And you touch one grain of sand, and suddenly the entire wall just attacks you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess let's go inside. Citra will slowly make her way through the doorway. Very well. Uh, is Citra taking point or city? I've been taking point yeah, because Citra's of all the trappy traps. Citra, you take point. You step inside. The chamber beyond, the hallway beyond, is dark and unlit. Your wayfinder plays down its length, allowing you and your compatriots to make your way in. The hall is ten feet wide. You might be willing to say ten feet wide exactly. Well, you know, hmm. just a sec. The ceiling is also ten feet high, giving this a precise cubed look in a style not common in Osirian. As if somebody disintegrated all of this stone? It looks like worked stone. Huh. Like You can see the seams, even though the seams are so tight together that you don't know if a grain of sand could get between the blocks. Wild. Anyone that wishes to may make me a perception or knowledge engineering check. Knowledge I have engineering. Mm. I should have taken 10. I rolled a three for a 15. I rolled a five for a 17 engineering. Mystica rolls a 10 for a 36 engineering. Oh, yeah. Uh, Citra rolled an 11 for a 29 perception. Masika, you look over this. Citra, you note this as well. Uh, Citra, just through your keen eye, Masika, through your uh, knowledge of engineering, there is a slight but perceptible slope, even in making its way down. We're making our way down again. Hmm. To the point where you can tell it's not going to be very much of a descent. But in the distance ahead, I think uh, the one of you that has low light vision that can see where the uh, intersection is up ahead. That's me. Can see that there's a landing up ahead. In essence, an intersection where the, the passage turns. A distance of maybe some 10, 20, 30, 40, 70 feet or so. Shall we? I mean, doesn't seem like there's any other way to go. We should keep our eyes peeled just in case, because there's probably traps. Oh, of course. You make your way forward. The walls here are covered in hieroglyphs. Every square inch of wall space. Closer to the door, you can tell that the, the air making its way from outside in has steadily eroded the pigmentation of the paints that once covered these hieroglyphs. You can still see some of the paints in the recesses where the hieroglyphs were carved into the wall. As you make your way away from the entry, the hieroglyphs become brighter and clearer. Any of you, well, anyone who can read Ancient Osiriani, which are all of you, mm-hmm. yes, can tell that these are 11 layers, in essence, dividing lines, making their way down across the, the entire length of this passage. Each one of these are nearly identical each of them identical prayers. The only thing that changes is the symbol of the deity in which the prayers are to, corresponding every time to the 11 different gods. So it's like the chant we need to do to help activate stuff? Who knows? Citra is going to jot down the main prayer and then uh, (laughs) in uh, the Osirian equivalent of parentheses put insert god here. (laughs) (laughs) Insert god of choice here. You just have all of your holy symbols around your neck and just rotating through them the whole t- whole way down. 
The passage ahead of you progresses for some distance. Citra and Masika, you're able to realize that once you begin to approach in essence where the passage intersects with another passage, that you have descended, knowing the bit that you do about Chisisek, you're going to say exactly 10 feet. As you reach the intersection, you see the passage continues off towards your left, only about 10 feet or so, and then the rest of the passage continues off towards your right. Hmm. Masika, Citra, both of you can tell that while you are level here, and the area off towards your left is level, the passage slopes, again, almost imperceptibly downwards off towards your right. Of more immediate note, however, is the massive hieroglyph that covers the floor off towards your left-hand side. It is a hieroglyphic symbol of the nation of Osirian. Oh, yeah. A scarab beetle with three eyes and bird-like wings which arch around it. Technically a representation of Ulnoth the Festering, the spawn of Rovagog, whose black carapace now resides in the center of Sothis. That's not technically an accurate statement. Sothis grew up around the carapace. They didn't move it anywhere. The hieroglyph is large and faintly glows with a blue luminescence. The only light that you've seen descending down into this place. Other than that, the passage continues off towards your right. Is it magical? It is magical. You may make a spellcraft if you so wish. I rolled a nine for a 23. No, what? 33. With a 33, you look over this. You note the strong aura of conjuration on it. Kind of lean down to look over the, the circular hieroglyph here. Whatever this is, well, you know exactly what it is and how to activate it and what it does. Although technically you don't know where. Huh. A creature of average or greater intelligence. Minimum intelligence score of 11. <laughs> who stands upon the carving. Activates a phase door. The phase door creates an ethereal passage through wooden, plaster, or stone walls, but not other materials. It's invisible and inaccessible to all creatures except for you, the individual who activates it, and only you can use the passage. You disappear when you enter the phase door and appear when you exit. And if you desire, you can take other creatures with you. Oh, good, because I only have a 10 intelligence. I think it's the way out. <laughs> Like, Chisisek and Hakatep aren't going to be wasting dimension doors and all sorts of other magic to get in and out of this place. Hmm. Maybe. Interestingly, right. though, it does not activate it here. Oh. It seems to activate a phase door somewhere else inside of this structure. Huh. So somebody has to stay here? We shouldn't mess with it right now, I don't think. Someone would have to stand on this, yes. But if you stand on this, you can't also go through a door, but you could designate other people to go through the door? Uh, no, technically, it is. Uh, you can take other individuals with you through the door. So I step on it, and then when I get to the phased door, I can go through it. Yes, but you can tell that this is only active while a creature with a minimum intelligence score of 11 is standing on it, and that the phased door would be inactive if you left How does that the spot. Work? We should probably finish exploring the yeah. place. Yeah. Huh. Weird. Well, this is a phased door thingy. Um... I'm not sure yet how that would be very helpful because you'd have to stand on it to make the phase door work. But you can't go through a phase door if you're standing on it unless the phase door is here, but I don't think it is. I think it's deeper in the structure. So it's a shortcut. Eh, maybe, but you can't leave it because then it closes the phase door. So wait, so somebody would have to stand on here so that somebody else could go through the door? But only the person standing here can go through the phase door. That's why I'm not sure how it's supposed to work. That's weird. It sounds like someone cast a spell. 
and then didn't know what it did. It sounds like somebody cast a spell and then had some sort of simulacrum type situation or clone or some. Would the magic still be able to tell that that wasn't the person on the door, though? I don't know. Anyway, we don't know what it opens, where it goes to, or if it's even relevant. So save for later and let's continue. Hmm. You wish to continue down the passage? Yep. Yes. If we run into a thing where there ain't any doors, then I bet we'll have to come stand on this thing. Maybe you have to Indiana Jones it. Y'all have read that graphic scroll where you step on it and you have to run real fast and slide <laughs> under and not use your hat. Not lose your hat. <laughs> graphic yep. scroll. I don't know. Uh, I remember that one. It came with a neat little sound sheet. Yeah. I feel like I have sorely missed out on something good. I'll find you when we get out of, you know, all this mess. You continue down the passage for a, de- for a distance of about 140 feet. My lord. Before you reach another landing. Once again, Citra Masika, you can determine that this landing is exactly 10 feet below the previous landing. At which point it makes a sharp turn to the right and continues. But this time without any kind of like indentation where there's another magic circle. Nope. Or symbol or something. Hmm. Weird. All right. Well, then I guess we keep going. I mean, there's only the one way. Yeah. This is, uh, we're, we're literally on the railroad tracks here. Yep. We need to figure this place out so we can do it quickly once we start all the activation shenanigans. It's probably designed to be done pretty quickly, to be fair. You make your way ahead. I get a strange feeling this is going to be a spiral. All the way down? Yeah, me too. As you begin to approach the end of this passage, a distance of 120 feet, ahead you see a gap. Oh, I get it. Approaching closer to it, Citra, you can immediately determine that there is a trap uh, in that there is a giant gaping hole in the floor directly ahead of you. Oh, the phase door brings through a rock and then the rock chases you down the hallway and then you land in the pit trap. No. 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 <laughs> I thought we were on the same wavelength, and then we were not. I was thinking was somebody yours? stands over there, it brill- it fills in a pathway here. I think no, that no, somebody's no, gotten down here and has already triggered this trap, and there's a dead body at the bottom of the pit. That's what I think as well. <laughs> okay, well, y'all peek down there and see if there's a dead body. Um, I mean, I can fly. We can just keep going, I think. But yeah, is, I there, mean, is this trap been triggered? Is it just like a pit trap that got triggered, and there's a or what? Approaching towards it, looking over the side, Citra, you can see that this pit trap, I imagine Citra's kind of going forward on her own at that point because it's a trap and at the very least she gets a bonus to save versus traps. Yep. You look over the side and do not see the bottom of this pit. Oh. Uh-oh. You have no idea how far this drops down. Wow. But is the trap still active? It doesn't look like there was ever even a covering to this. Oh, I think I'm right. It's just like there's not doors that drop out or something to drop you inside of a pit. It's just a hole in the ground, 10 feet across. Exactly 10 feet across and 10 feet wide. Or it's an elevator. I look up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the ceiling over the head is unadorned just as the. Uh, and it was any sentient creature, right? Mm-hmm. Had to be over With an 11, intelligence. 11 or higher. Yeah, so if I'd stepped on it, nothing would have happened. All right, y'all stay right here. Hollis stretches back. I was going to let you do something really cool, Narmer, but unfortunately the magic's not going to think you're alive because you're clockwork, which I think is really biased. (laughs) Oh, man. I think Sugar would kill me if I tried to get her to go do it by herself, so I'm just going to go stand on it. Y'all tell me, holla if something happens. And I'll, like, jog back up and around the corner and stand on the doodad. 
Now we need to start the Constructs or People 2 Association. You make your way back. Navigate your way back up the passage. Ascend all the way back up. I suppose step on the circular hieroglyph. Yep. You know, gingerly. You feel a slight tingling in your toes. Mm. And you think the radiance of this rune, this hieroglyph, has increased. I imagine that there's probably like a sooty way down the passage. Did you step on it? <laughs> or something <laughs> coming back up, because nothing happens for those guys. Oh. Huh. I run back around the corner. Okay. Uh, stepped on it. Uh, it did something, but I guess it wasn't for this. Well, okay. So we're going to have to jump it. Or fly. I still have overland flight, so I just drift happily across when it's my turn. Very well. Go ahead and make me a flight check. Ooh. Oh, no. That's what you get for not detecting Hollis magic. Taking point. Hollis is apparently taking point. Um, I rolled a 16 for a 20. With a 20, you fly forward and feel this sickening sense of vertigo. Oh, I don't like this. As you get a few inches over the pit, you suddenly feel this jerking sensation like you're falling, which makes you immediately want to compensate magically, at which point you you just, all of you see Hollis bob down a few inches before jolting up about four feet. Ouch. Before Hollis, you stabilize. As your inner equilibrium, to all the rest of you, Hollis flips around on her back. Like she's trying to turn to catch herself before Hollis realizes <laughs> the reverse gravity effect yes! directly over this pit. Yes. You do manage a fly check to keep yourself from crashing into the ceiling. Oh my. Oh. Ow. All right. Uh, After a few seconds, Hollis, you feel the effect flip again. Oh no. As if the reverse gravity just turns off. However, you manage to compensate before you go falling down the pit as it turns off, as you flip yourself back around, flail your arms for a second. Wow. And right, then so it's a reverse gravity, so you slam into the wall and then you fall down the pit of doom. Technically, once you crash into the ground, your fly is no longer in effect because you're no longer taking the action yep. fly, at which point if it reversed. As a side note, Hall, six seconds later, it reverses again. Ow! Wow! As you just start doing like slow grabs her arm. Turn. I'm just going to walk across it. It's like <laughs> trying to hold onto the wall, you know? <laughs> I don't like this one bit. I don't like this one bit at so all. So if we're expecting it, can you flip up with your, plant your feet on the ceiling and run across and then get to the other side? Or is Mechanically it- speaking, if you are prepared for the gravity shift, you can you gain a plus 10 circumstance bonus on the flight check. Hollis, you're, with your successful flight check, you could have flown to the other side if you prefer or yep, go back to- Yep, that's what I want. To, I want to be on the other well, side. Well, I mean, like if I jumped over this, tried to jump over this pit, would the reverse gravity take effect or does it only take on take effect on flies? So if you attempt an acrobatics check to jump over the pit, the reverse gravity does affect. <laughs> Masika's not going to be able to make the athletics check to jump 10 feet. That's oh. and well, Can you fly? You, I, don't don't waste do a minute, I don't want to waste a minute of my fly per day to do this. Oh. Mechanically speaking, the problem that you'll run into is that you would need to jump forward, then, which is part of a move action, then make a successful acrobatics check to land after falling 10 feet to not fall prone and then use a second action to move off. But if you fall prone, you're gonna have to use your action to stand up from prone, at which point you will fall. What if I dispel magic on this sphere? You could attempt to dispel magic. I also have that other on thing prepared. Let me yeah, remember I, I what it I can't fail that, so. I can't fail that. I have gravity sphere. I really don't want to waste a, a thing of fly to get across, a minute worth of fly to get across this thing. Just said 
she could dispel it, right? It would. I mean, I could maybe dispel it, but that doesn't help. Is there something activating this nearby? Like, could I find a trigger or a circuit breaker I could just flip? <laughs> so, technically speaking, this is a magical effect. Even though it is used kind of as part of a trap, it is more of an environmental effect and therefore cannot be disabled via disabled traps. Tricky, Rude. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Rude, Michael Cortez. It's like you knew we would bring some rogues into this. As a side note, Hollis glancing down the pit while you're flying over, you also could not see the bottom of that pit. I don't love that. Well, okay, I have a gravity sphere, but I don't know how a gravity sphere interacts with reverse gravity. That and it feels seems dangerous. like it'd be easier to dispel it. Well, I mean, I think burning a minute of fly is probably better than me wasting a fifth level spell, so I'm going to default to that. <laughs> so, Citra, uh, you're just leaping across. Yeah, I start with a 28. Okay. So, yeah, that means that you run forward, you basically make an acrobatics check to fall 10 feet, then rush forward and then make an acrobatics check to fall 10 feet again to land on the opposite side. So, more or less, you run forward, do a front flip, land on your feet on the ceiling, run forward, do another front flip, and then land on your feet on the floor on the opposite side of the pit. Sudi, can you do the exact same thing? Yeah, I was going to say, I have a 24 starting. Okay. Yeah, so Sudi does the same thing. Front flip, back flip, lands on the other side. I roll a 16 for a 27 on my fly. So you activate your flight, hover up into the air, fly across, feel this wave of nausea. Uh, all of you do pretty much the, imagine gravity suddenly reversing on you. The yeah. equilibrium inside your brain just flips before you land on the opposite side. Woo-hoo. As a side note for Masika and Citra, you believe that you are exactly 10 feet lower than you were at the last landing. Well, that's you have now descended depth. to a depth of 30 feet, you believe. The passage extends ahead into darkness. Well, okay then. I'm just going to put out there that I did open some sort of pass wall somewhere, so I imagine that if somebody noticed it, that could, they could know something's afoot. Uh, I will I will point out the fact that you know that you get to allow people in and out, so some well, no, rando can't just come I don't know in, if right? there's just something weird changed that there might be somebody alerted to something weird going on. Who knows? Who knows? I did love your idea, though, of it of it dropping a stone that would Wouldn't chase that cool? people down into the reverse gravity. <laughs> that was me. I think it was a simultaneous No, your thing. stone was about crushing. Mine was about making a little path so that you didn't she have to She wanted die. to Indiana Jones it. You, she, Rachel was Indiana Jones land. Yes. I was okay. Indiana Jones land. Indiana Jones was the one I was referencing. So yes, okay, Rachel, sorry. Then yes, that was Rachel. <laughs> as, as a fun side note, if it was a boulder that was rolling down this, when it hit the reverse gravity, it would hit the ceiling and then it would just drop down on the other side and keep going. So <laughs> just skip over the pit trap. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> That's funny. You wish to make your way down this passage? Not me first, though. I... I will be taking point like I have been. You continue down the passage, continuing for a distance of 130 more feet. I gotta say, this just feels unnecessary. After that, you reach another landing exactly 10 feet beneath the previous landing that turns again to the right. Continuing down this passage, I imagine as you do. We do. Another we 10 keep feet going. Lower. Continuing on for another about 120 feet to a landing exactly 10 feet lower than the previous landing. The passage turns to the right, and you continue down. My lord. You continue on until you reach another landing exactly 10 feet below the previous landing, at which point you turn to the right again and continue to make your way, descending further down, about another 100 feet down this passage, before you reach a landing exactly 10 feet beneath the previous landing. 
If, if for those not not able to keep track of this at home, we've gone an entire complete circuit down. Yeah, we're going and we're right basically next to that a pit square trap. spiral. Yeah, it's a square spiral that you've descended down. You are now correct, uh, Rachel, at a negative depth of seventy feet. Continuing ahead, probably getting a little exasperated by this point. I gotta say, I would never build such a thing. Seems silly. Ahead of you, you do not see the passage continuing. Uh oh. Instead, you see a large stone granite block. 10 feet by 10 feet, taking up the entirety of the passage ahead of you. But we don't have the gauntlets to move it. We don't get that until we're adult, Link, and we've seen the (laughs) spirit temple. Yep. (laughs) On the face of this is a single hieroglyph. Oh, no. Don't look at hieroglyphs here. The hieroglyph in question being a scarab beetle with feathered wings and three eyes. This is where the wall is. But how are we supposed to make it work? Somebody steps on it, this disappears, and then the rest of us can probably keep going on. But that means leaving somebody behind. They had slaves for that. I thought that that was a thing. I thought the person who stepped on it had to be the person that went through it. I thought that was the deal. I will allow Paulus to make a... Well, actually, I'll allow anyone that wishes to to make a knowledge arcana. Paulus rolls a 16 for a 40. Jeez. I rolled a two for 14. Nice. <laughs> it's rather ingenious. Technically speaking, this is not a creature. If it did not make the passage through the stone, but rather, and casting detect magic, you can confirm this, created a pass door, a phase door underneath the stone. The stone just falls down. The hmm. stone would sink into it. However, if there was not an exit from the phase door, the moment the phase door ended, it, it would be back ejected up. back into its original spot. So somebody does have to stay on it. Wow. It's luck. All right. As an interesting side note also, mm-hmm. it would be slowly ejected back out. As though giving you time to run all the way back down here and go through? As you're kind of contemplating this, you're considering the hundreds of feet of hallway you've just gone hey, through, but feasibly someone monk. could stand on that. He's not smart enough. Your monk's got a 10 intelligence. He's one point too dumb. By the way, I did not anticipate that when I was originally. I was like, oh yeah, Sudi would be able to, oh. Sudi could just I know, I'm not smart run. enough though. <laughs> I have a 35 uh. speed. I think I'm the next fastest, so. Masika's got <clears> a 40. You doppled. I just had a, uh, a brilliant possible answer to this problem, says the clucking from your hip. Yeah. While Sudi is too stupid to activate this device, <laughs> if he were holding me, oh, yeah. I would technically be smart enough to activate this, and then I could use his feline legs to propel me back <laughs> down here in time. Um, yes. To possibly solve this problem. Oh, God, yes. I love this. The breakout team of Sugar and Sudi. Hollis is just clucking at her bag and then takes her bag off, which also still has the Drake egg in it, by the way, and hands it to The Drake may also Sudi. be intelligent enough to trigger this. I'm not sure. I don't think it can... It's not born yet. Anyway, I put this... <laughs> I put the, the satchel across Sudi's shoulders, and I say, all right, Sudi, take Sugar up there. She's very smart. Put her on That's there true. and then grab her and run back over here real fast. Wait, so is Sugar smarter than me? Yes, she's smarter than most smarter people. Than you. She's smarter, I think, than everyone <laughs> except for Hollis. She does have an 18 intelligence right now. She's smarter than me. Sidney so, so lo- like, looks into one of the like air holes <laughs> and like locks eyes with her. If you could speak to me, you could probably teach me so many things. I can speak, you're just too stupid to understand. <laughs> <laughs> 
Narmer's smarter than you too. Wait, Narmer's smarter than me? Yes. I thought we were equivalent. Oh no. Uh, Narmer has a 14 intelligence. I'm actually very intelligent. Am I the dumb muscle of the party? You're the pretty face. Masika pats your arm. <laughs> I was going to say, right now, Citra's rocking a 16. Because <laughs> I've got a, a helm or a headband on. All right, anyway. Um, all right, so I love this plan. First off, breakout team of Sugar and Sooty. You may have to take her out of the bag and actually physically set her on the rune for it to work. Oh, most likely, yeah. I'll, unz- I'll make the bag open so she can get in and out of it because y'all can't communicate. But, you know, I trust her to figure out what's going on over there. That's fine. If he needs to tuck me under his arm and run, I suppose I can be the football in this can she, weird game. Can of- he hold her over her head and get a get a, <laughs> get a jumping bonus? <laughs> I could at least provide a plus one circumstance bonus. Maybe a plus two if I ate another on a fly check. Yeah. <laughs> she only has a minus three fly. I could try my best. <laughs> it is not an area of mine or Hollis's expertise. You can't understand me. Just run. I don't translate that, but I do say, <laughs> all right, be careful with my chicken. Do not drop her down the hole forever or I will disintegrate you. I mean, that's like a very, very unlikely possibility. I mean, I'm just running and doing a cool flip onto the ceiling and flipping back down. That was pretty cool. Don't drop my chicken. Okay. Cool. All right. Hollis like pats, pats Sudi. Sudi like, kind of like starts walking back and then just kind of turns over his shoulder. Should I run there and then run back? Or is it okay if I just kind of walk back? I, I don't know, man. How much of a hurry are we in? Yes! An important, an important <laughs> note for Hollis. Uh, Hollis is aware, aware that the face door will eject the stone at a speed of one foot per round. Okay. Holy it is exactly God. 10 feet, so Sudi will need to run the entirety of that distance in under 10 rounds. Can Sudi do it? You should practice. I have a 50-foot movement speed, so if I double move, I can hit one of like one of these corners every single round. You might be able to run, although you may be too fast. It's taking the turn is the problem. Yeah, it's yeah. the turns that are the problem. So, Sudi, doing a quick estimate, you believe that by the time you get back down here, assuming that you're able to leap pit, you think that there should be still three feet of clearance by the time you get back down here. So with a high enough acrobatics check, you should be able to, in essence, leap and dive. Would a 25 be able to do that? Remains to be seen. Is the rock like floor to ceiling like they wouldn't even be able Mm -hmm. to hear me? Yeah, I can feel sugar, and if she's panicked, I'll know. It's the exact dimensions of this passage. Okay. (sighs) All right, sugar, if that's the case, then that means that I have about one minute to get down here. So we're going to practice. And when I get to the top, cluck once if I made it in under a minute, and cluck twice if I didn't. I think you'll see the granite block. Well, he's going to run up. talking about the practice up. I'm practicing up, which technically should ah. be a little bit slower because I'm going uphill. But it's right, only not game mechanics. All right, Sudi, like, gets in his runner's stance, throws his arms out, like, out, of, out the back of him like he's Naruto and begins sprinting uh, up and away. <laughs> <laughs> it's for speed. Hmm. So since you have a 200-foot run speed... Yep. The only question is going to be, uh, well, with you running up is currently, if you can make an acrobatics check and if you can roll a 25. Which is exactly what I get with a natural one. Then you can actually leap across the pit without hitting the ceiling. You can build up enough speed to leap forward and in essence clear the pit entirely. Oh, that's without the bonuses for my speed, by the way. before dropping back down. Hey. So mechanically speaking... 
you should be able to make it. It's be so fast. This is one of those moments where being a monk is so cool. So I suppose you make your way to the the top of the landing. Yep. The rest of your group waits. Sudi, you step onto the platform. Yep. I like, I guess, pop sugar out and give her a five count on the uh, on the little symbol. On the ground. On the ground. You set sugar down on the ground? Yeah. She ruffles her feathers a bit. For those of you down below, the stone begins to sink. Hey, all right. I suppose Sugar and Sudi wait until enough time has passed to give them enough time to, uh, you hope, get on the other side. I guess that's true. Yeah, I probably give it like two, three minutes. I don't yeah, know how, how how fast it sinks. I imagine it falls. Uh, well, I think they said a foot per. It actually sinks at the same speed that it raises back up. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. Yeah. So, so one minute to let it go down, another minute for yeah, you guys to go we across. We should move further down so Sudi doesn't like, you know, human Yeah, I assume around the corner just so he can like <laughs> launch himself over. All right, all right. Reaching the bottom of this passage, as a side note, exactly 10 feet beneath the previous <laughs> landing. <laughs> you all step forward, noting that the passage turns to your right before immediately turning to the right again. Like you've somehow actually gotten to the center of the complex. Masika will peek her head around the corner. Peeking your head around the corner. There's a monster. As Sudi gets ready for his run. You can tell oh. that the passage turns to the right before immediately turning to the left That's again. That's different. Alright, As it I starts guess... to make its way in. Narmer. Mm-hmm. Peek around the next corner. Okay. Operation Sholo Narmer mission is to go. You're like five feet away from me peeking around a corner. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. If there's any golems, I'll stop them this time. Oh, my. <laughs> Don't engage Elsewhere, any golems. Sudi, you turn and sprint. Whee! Unfortunately, the first round, sprinting uh, a distance of 40 feet if you're using a move action to pick up sugar. Uh, 50 feet, but yes. Although so. technically speaking, Sudi could delay until sugar jumped into the bag, which means sugar would use her action. Oh, yeah, let's there do that. Do let's that. Sugar tells yeah. you when to go. I'm assuming when she jumps in the bag, Sudi just starts running because mm -hmm. that's how this is going to have to go. So, Sudi, you take off running sprinting as fast as you as fast as cat folkly possible as Monkly. you barrel down the passage Monk 150 speed. feet almost kick off the wall turn barrel down the passage even choosing to take a natural one leaping over the pit feeling this <laughs> vertigo sensation as you do this like mid-air spin like horizontally before landing on the other side I'm basically doing the Samus uh, spin jump Yep. Uh, there you go. Kick off the wall, turn, run down. Kick off the wall, turn, run down. Again and again. One round, two rounds, three rounds, four rounds, five rounds, six rounds as you round the corner, seeing that the stone is now more than halfway back up on the opposite end. <laughs> you rush down the distance. Uh, so at that point, it is, is up seven feet, meaning that you can use your double move to run forward you will now need to make either climb or acrobatics your choice all right so um okay so i'm gonna acrobatics my way up and over this uh okay. so go ahead and make thing. an acrobatic so there we go runs down towards the stone leaps into the air hey oh, all right i rolled a 19 all right, um, all right, this good. is a jump which means i start with a 24 that is a 42 Sudi, you leap up into the air, kind of tuck in, because at this point there is a two-foot gap between the stone and the ceiling overhead. As you leap forward, 
you know, satchel tucked under one arm, reach on top of the platform. You are then forced to use a, actually, no, you have two feet of clearance. So you can difficult terrain quickly crawl on your hands and knees. <laughs> you don't oh, have to gosh. technically use a crawl action because you're not prone yet. As you scamper forward, I imagine Hollis eagerly stretching oh her arms oh up for the bag. The chicken, not <laughs> for me. I mean, I care about Sudi, you. you but... toss the bag through before slipping free, gra- like kind of grabbing your tail with your offhand to pull it with you as you oh. tumble free. <laughs> Drop down. As the stone raises back up into place and with an audible hiss, seals. As you now find yourselves on the opposite side of this seemingly otherwise immovable stone block. Wow. And we'll pick it up here next time. Yay! Yay. You indiana that. <laughs> you did. Shisisek is awesome. Dude. Okay, <laughs> but if you're not a monk, there was no way to do that. Nothing nothing shy of a haste spell, really. Oh, that's haste. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.